Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch, along with Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. We have good, crazy, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. It is early March, which means it is almost free agency season in the NFL. So I know, Jim, this is your busy season. We'll see what kind of uh, things happen for the New York Jets here in the coming days. I know you're getting excited about that. I was going to say, for Jets fans... It's the most wonderful time of the year. Much more interesting than the regular season. And um, if I do playoffs, I'll probably just turn into, uh, was it Jim Mora? Yes. Playoffs! Playoffs! So, uh, no, it's, you know, it's our busy season. That, and, you know, having my liver do calisthenics preparing for St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yes, All right, let's jump into the good martini here, and it might remind you of a story we've done in the last few weeks about uh, tax refunds. This is from the Washington Examiner, Beckett Adams writing, Tax refunds are up from where they were this time last year by 1.3% following the fourth week of the 2019 filing season, according to new Internal Revenue Service data. To be more specific, the average tax refund has increased $3,143.00. Up from $3,103 last February, according to cumulative statistics comparing the 2018 and 2019 filing seasons. But then he says, oddly enough, certain newsrooms have responded to this development with total silence. I say odd because it was just a few weeks ago that these same newsrooms rushed to report the tax refunds were smaller this year, suggesting either implicitly or explicitly that the decrease was tied to the Republican Party's tax reform bill. He takes especially a uh, strong target on the Washington Post, but later admits that they did, in fact, debunk Kamala Harris for suggesting that smaller refunds meant you paid more in taxes. So, uh, Jim, uh, he also points out that we're not done with the filing season, so we don't know how this is all going to shake out. But uh, hopefully we're getting to the point now where most Americans realize that the size of your refund doesn't comport with the size of your overall tax bill and that we might not even be looking at smaller refunds at all. Yeah. So you may recall back when the Republicans were debating and pushing through the tax cuts, it was not polling terrific. Uh, It was, you know, about 50-50, maybe small majorities. It was not wildly popular. And they'd ask people, you know, why? And most people believed that, well, you know, they're going to give the tax cuts to the rich and all those big corporations. Somebody like me is not going to get anything. And I think it was it was one of the this, it might have been Good Morning America. It was one of the, the network morning shows. Uh, went through a couple of different people and kind of went through their taxes and looked at how the t- changes in the tax code would affect them. And for like four out of the four families they selected, all four were getting a tax cut. And all four of them were like, oh, wow, well, you know, it, it was a couple hundred dollars, I think. It was maybe even a couple thousand for them. So it was one of those things where like, oh, there was this much more positive response. So there was this inherent skepticism, this inherent wariness in a chunk of the electorate who my suspicion is feel like they've had either broken promises on taxes or had situations where uh, they've expected, you know, a windfall from tax cuts and then had them not turn out. Uh, or, Greg, you know, it's always possible that someone told them that if they liked their plan, they could keep their plan. <laughs> if somebody told them that they, they liked their doctor, they could keep their doctor, and uh, the promises turned out to not be kept. Um, so there was this kind of interesting positive response. Then right after it passed, I remember seeing all over Twitter a bunch of folks who saying, I just spoke to my accountant. He says I'm going to get clobbered by this. And, you know, people who were just anonymously saying, I'm going to pay $5,000 more in taxes next year because, you know, I was looking at that numbers and saying that just really doesn't make much sense. You know, I think it was USA Today did the best analysis of this. And they came up with a scenario 
in which you would pay more taxes. Uh, it was a million dollars a year in income, not net worth, <laughs> income. So presumably you're, you know, you're a professional athlete, you're a CEO, uh, you're having a really great year. And that's good, good for you. God bless you. Uh, but you owned no real estate which struck me as a really unusual set of circumstances. But okay, maybe there are some people who are making a millionaire who are renting. Um, they had no children, no mar- uh, were not married, and um, I think it was like one or two other. It was a really rare set of circumstances. So uh, the other thing also I can imagine, if you're paying a ton in state and local taxes, and all of a sudden you get hit by the state and local tax deduction limit, you're, up, you're well beyond that $10,000 cap they put in, that could hurt you. But remember, it's not your taxes are going up by the amount you pay over that. It's that you can't deduct that from your taxable level of income. Um, by the way, I am not an accountant. Do not take anything I say for tax advice. Please consult professionals, et cetera. I don't want you to go before the IRS and say, well, look, I heard Jim say it on the free market at lunch. It must be true. <laughs> this is just my back of the envelope stuff and going over with the missus. My dad is a retired accountant. So if you need to, just call him down. Anyway, um, <laughs> just being, because that's what I do. Uh, the just being that in a really unique set of circumstances, you could have a higher tax bill. Uh, and my our, my recommendation would be uh, move to a lower ta- <laughs> move to a location where you're not paying as much in state and local taxes. Uh, tell your local city council, town council, or your state to stop stop increasing taxes so much, or make more charitable deductions. Just like there are little things you can do to uh, to try to tweak your tax debt and things like that. But really, most people should be getting a fairly significant tax increase up and down the income scale. Um, now, when we saw these numbers, you know, again, it seemed odd. It seemed like the sort of thing, again, it, is it conceivable that somebody, when they adjusted the withholding numbers during the year, uh, would end up not withholding enough each year, uh, each each pay period, so that at the end of the year, you'd end up owing taxes instead of getting a refund? I, I suppose that could happen. Talk to your employer about that sort of thing. But by and large, most employers are good at that sort of thing. And so you shouldn't find yourself with an enormous tax bill at the end of the year. But similarly, if they're really adjusting it correctly, you shouldn't have a massive refund because you otherwise you're just paying money every pay period to the government, basically giving them a free loan, and then you're going to get back in April. Yeah, with no interest. So, yeah, and you mentioned that uh, if you want your lower tax bill, you might want to think about what state you live in. That actually played out in the recent Bryce Harper sweepstakes. Uh, the Giants offered him a very good deal, but uh, he said they had to offer him a lot more money than the Phillies because uh, he'd pay over a million, I think, a million and a quarter more in state taxes if he lived in California than in Pennsylvania. So it does make a difference. Way to go, Sacramento. Way to go. <laughs> All right. By the way, fair, uh, fair to ask, fair to wonder, you know, Washington, D.C. I don't know whether he lives, so I'm, I'm trying to remember whether he lives in Washington or he lives in Northern Virginia. If he was still considering to coming back to the Nationals, come over here, Bryce. The water's fine. It's great. Slightly better than, uh, uh, slightly better than it is over in the district. Uh, you're not, you're definitely not going to want to leave in Maryland. I think that much is clear. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Not the People's Republic of Maryland. Absolutely yeah. Good not. Good luck. Way to go, uh, California lawmakers, and for that matter, District of Columbia. All right, let's move on to our first crazy martini now, Jim. And your lead item in the morning jolt today was that former Attorney General Eric Holder is not, not going to be seeking the Democratic presidential nomination, which leaves him in pretty limited company among Democrats who are looking at 2020. He's not going to be in the race. But another person is, and we've all been waiting for it, former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, the former mayor of Denver, two-term governor of Colorado. He's not just to launch an exploratory committee. He's in, baby. Here's part of his uh, launch video. At the age of 50, I was elected mayor. We transformed Denver. 
into a national model for what a city could be. Then, during my eight years as governor, we did the hard things families needed. With a divided legislature, we got health care coverage for nearly 95% of all Coloradans. We lifted our rural economy as Colorado went from 40th in job growth to the number one economy in America. We brought environmentalists and oil and gas companies to the table to create the toughest methane emissions laws in the country. Then we beat the NRA by enacting universal background checks and banning high-capacity magazines. I'm running for president because we need dreamers in Washington, but we also need to get things done. I've proven again and again I can bring people together to produce the progressive change Washington has failed to deliver. Join me, and we'll repair the damage done to our country and be stronger than ever. Jim, in a normal election year, maybe 16, 20 years ago, uh, a guy with that kind of a record as a, as a governor might be a pretty formidable candidate in a Democratic uh, primary field, even if it's a really crowded one. But in the age of identity politics and first to the gate on Medicare for all and Green New Deal and all this stuff, uh, it's hard to see how he's not going to be lost in the shuffle. But it's interesting that he's in there. Hickenlooper is this guy who's kind of been hanging around for, you know, let's say about a decade on the political scene. Uh, pretty regularly getting profiles. He's one of those up and coming governors and, you know, one of those, one of the guys to keep an eye on. And you know, might, you know, some people are, there's presidential buzz around him or something like that. And I, the, the other thing which jumped out at me as you look back over all the coverage is that Hickenlooper, he's one of those guys who had a reputation for being moderate without ever really doing anything that was all that moderate. I can think of, I can think of like a couple of small examples of this. Um, probably the most legitimate one is that he was pretty pro fracking, uh, it was a big deal in Colorado, uh, a lot of money to be made, a lot of uh, people who realized that this was a uh, good way to get you know, oil, natural gas, all that kind of stuff. And so he was uh, pretty pro on that side. Environmentalists have the other way, uh, but that was one, you know, I'll, I'll give him some credit for that one. Um, for what it's worth, he opposed, okay, he was like a quiet opponent of marijuana legalization, or at least not a vocal enthusiast of it. Certainly didn't do much to block it. Um, I guess he gradually came around. Again, I don't know how you score that on the conservative liberal uh, spectrum. There are a bunch of conservatives who believe that the war on drugs has been a mistake and were supportive of marijuana legalization. Um, William F. Buckley was arguing for this sort of thing back in the 1990s. So I'm not sure that you get Boku, you know, centrist points for that, but fine, whatever. Uh, And then the third one was... Uh, the, this kind of, he ran a restaurant. He's, you know, he was a, he, look, the guy, anybody who ever owned a brewery is going to be a friend of mine. I'm, I'm going to give him credit for that. But uh, <laughs> by and large, you know, I, so one person said maybe the most interesting thing out of the Hickenlooper campaign will be what does this former restaurant owner think of a $15 an hour minimum wage? Mm. Conceivably, he could be the voice of small business. Although, to be honest, when he was governor, I never got that vibe of him. Uh, defying progressive orthodoxy and standing up for small businessmen and keep, you know, it, you know he, there were plenty of government regulations going around uh, when he was governor. So it's kind of hard to get the idea. He's much more centrist in his reputation than I think his record actually is. Um, as you can hear from that audio soundbite, I don't know if he's a whirling dervish of raw political charisma. Um What's left? We're well into double digits now and we're approaching 20. Again, you talk about 10 years ago, 20 years ago, in the early Bush years, Colorado was this really key, important, purplish swing state. Uh, we saw Cory Gardner win in 2014, but I think at the presidential level, it's looking pretty blue. Uh, governor's race wasn't all that close. The other Senate race wasn't all that close. A bunch of the House seats. You know, there are a lot of conservatives, a lot of Republicans who still live in Colorado, but the balance has kind of shifted. It's kind of a, you know what it is? It's mountainous Virginia <laughs> uh, with, with a less idiotic governor, Greg. That's, that's the way of summarizing this. <laughs> 
I don't know if, um, you know, it, it, 10, 20 years ago, oh, you know, if we have the governor of, of uh, Colorado, that, that puts that state in our, in our pile. Uh, you put him on the ticket, he could lock up that state. It might be more valuable. Today, I don't know if Democrats feel that pressure to win Colorado. Very easy to see Hickenlooper being one of those guys who was like, oh, yeah, he ran. Yeah, he didn't mention in the ad that uh, part of the big reason for the surge in Colorado's economic standing was fracking. Um, can't imagine why that didn't didn't make it into the script. Uh, and Jim, uh, perhaps hardest hit here is our good friend John Kasich, the former governor of Ohio, because remember there had been some talk of either being a independent Kasich-Hickenlooper or Hickenlooper-Kasich ticket. And I don't know if this leaves John Kasich being the, the role of Joe Lieberman in the McCain campaign or, or what it uh, does here, but uh, he's probably feeling a little jilted today. Oh, come on, Greg. John Kasich's not going to have an opinion on the Democrats. He's a commentator for CNN now. (laughs) He's giving his pure and unvarnished opinion. And in no way is he using the airwaves to campaign for himself on CNN's dime. How could you say that? All right, let's move on to our final crazy martini now and back to the 2020 Democratic field. Uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, we have talked about this multiple times about how positions Kirsten Gillibrand held on things like the Second Amendment and immigration and other things when she first ran for the House uh, in the middle of last decade, quite a bit different from where she is now as a statewide uh, Democratic senator and now, of course, a Democratic presidential candidate. Uh, She was interviewed by several different people on CBS this morning, including Gail King, who asked her about her reputation, even in Democratic circles, as a flip-flopper. Do you think you have the support of your own party, though, yet, Senator, because it's still the talk of dinner party conversations Mm -hmm. about Senator Gillibrand, that she flips and she flops, that she betrayed the Clintons, that she seems to go with whatever the wind is blowing. Mm -hmm. I know you've heard that. How do you feel about that and how do you address it? Well, it's certainly not my record. It's not who I am. Um, it's true that my first election was in a two-to-one Republican district in upstate New York. And I was able to run that campaign on getting out of Iraq and Medicare for all, but still won a two-to-one Republican district and won a re-election by a 24-point margin. Then becoming senator of New York, I've been able to bring the state together, the red, purple, and blue areas, with the highest vote threshold in the history of the state at 72%, higher than anyone who's ever run statewide, including including presidential candidates. And so the truth is, I am the best candidate to run against President Trump because I can bring this country back together. You got to love the not subtle at all dig at Hillary Clinton there. Uh, Jim, uh, what do you make of Kirsten Gillibrand honestly expecting us to believe that she didn't completely flip on some major issues here? I was going to say, yes, in 2006, she did run in opposition to the Iraq war. And I guess it was, you know, Medicaid for all or or whatever it was there or preserving Medicaid, preserving, you know, uh, opposition to entitlement reform. Real brave. Good for you. Her her position was not, if if not quite to the right of Donald Trump's on illegal immigration, right up there with them. Vehement opposition to providing driver's licenses to illegal immigrants. And then he was also very pro-gun. And also, I believe at the time, and again, this is 2006, the political shift winds are starting to shift. Uh, up until 2009, she uh, opposed gay marriage in a district that was kind of culturally conservative. Now, it took a lot to uh, get her to change her position on gay marriage, Greg. Basically, uh, the governor who was appointing the replacement for Hillary, David Patterson, told her she had to. Uh, <laughs> and she did. And that that's what did it there. Gillibrand, out of all the people I've profiled, out of all the people I've been writing about, Gillib- Gill- sorry, Gillibrand, I keep, keep putting that. It's like, it's like the people who mispronounce GIF. It's Gillibrand. Um, <laughs> this interesting sense that you look at her life, 
right? Yeah, first of all, I argue she's much more a child of privilege than she wants to admit or ever discuss. Her grandmother basically ran the Albany political machine. Her father's a prominent lobbyist, et cetera, et cetera. But you look at her life, you know, I'm not going to say Gillibrand is stupid, right? You know, um, great high school, probably the best one, maybe the best high school in New York State, gets to Dartmouth, studies abroad, China and Taiwan, gets to UCLA Law, a uh, ton of these, you know, glamorous, shining on a resume internships. Alphonse D'Amato. Oh, by the way, her dad knows some of his buddies, but hey. Um, U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, interns for the United Nations over in Vienna, Austria, Greg. Which, by the way, oh, by the way, the United Nations doesn't pay its interns. So her, her money had, her, her family had the money to shell out for her to live in Austria for a semester. And then she goes off, become a top tier, you know, uh, a Manhattan law firm, goes to work for Philip Morris, which may or may not be popular in the Democratic primary. But, you know, she was good at her job, right? She was a driven uh, lawyer. And she kind of has this, you know, reputation of, oh, I'm running as a mom. In a very strange way, she's almost pretending to be less accomplished than she is, I suspect, because what she actually accomplished in life is now uh, not seen as good in Democratic primary circles. It comes across as elite. It comes across as uh, fighting for the powerful, not for the people, yada, yada, yada. So what she has is the sort of biography that would traditionally be exactly what you'd want in a potential president. Hard-charging, top of her class, tough, you know, putting in the time, all that kind of stuff. Um, and now all of a sudden, there's been such a cultural sea change in the Democratic Party this isn't uh, what you want anymore. And you probably want to be more of a community organizer or something like that. And the other thing also is that she had exactly the kind of positions you wanted to have to win in that sort of district in 2006 and 2008. And now all of a sudden, of course, the moment that, you know, those positions would be a liability if you're running statewide. So she dropped them the moment she got there. She's not pro-gun. She's anti-gun now. Um, she's, you know, pro-amnesty, not anti. You know, she, she is very chameleon-like and there's no real good defense of that so the only thing she can do is just kind of you know put forth this idea and do our play victim and uh you know i don't think it's going to work out for her but just kind of this fascinating you want to see somebody who, who just had the ground shift underneath her feet uh and and just could not adapt ironically you know could not adapt quickly enough considering how quickly she adapted on everything else that's kirsten gillibrand considering who the democrats nominated just a couple of years ago for president uh slippery uh Position yeah, shifting yeah. is is not new Slippery, to the Slippery, shifty, hard charging <laughs> former lawyer, New York senator, blonde. What could go wrong? Yeah, the harder thing for her is going to be uh, forcing Trump out. Trump can't be that type. <laughs> She's going to get in more trouble for forcing Al Franken out of the Senate than for flip-flopping on a whole host of uh, pivotal... Right? Like that's a, that's, in our minds, that's the best thing she's ever done. <laughs> and now you got me thinking about the fact that she uses a soft G at the, the front of her last name there. So do they watch Gilligan's Island or Gilligan's Island on reruns over their house? Yeah. What goes on? Make America great again. <laughs> Good start to the week, Jim. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. And be sure to tune in again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.